Welcome to One City Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this message by Chris Conley. For more information, please visit our website at onecitymemphis.org. Last week, I talked about how Joseph, not Joseph, I'm sorry, Joshua entered the moment. There are moments in our life where there is this door that is before us and we have to make a decision to walk through the door. There are moments in our life that God puts a strategic moment before us that's a catalytic moment to what's next. And when the Israelites had been circling around in the wilderness for 40 years, God's intended design was not to circle. It took them 40 years and, and, and I can't remember off the top of my mind, but I, I, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood that if you were to measure from, you know, where they were to crossing the Jordan, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 11 miles or 13. It was it's somewhere in that neighborhood. 11 days. There we go. That's I, The le- word 11 was in, in my mind. So it was intended to take 11 days, but yet it took 40 years. And then in Joshua 1, it says... Moses is dead. So the servant of God is dead. The man that God used to deliver from Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world, has passed. Not only is that traumatic, it's fearful because what's next? But yet, Joshua was always by Moses' side. When Moses would go out to the tent of meeting and come back, Joshua stayed at the tent of meeting. Joshua was a true disciple of Moses, a a true mentor of Moses. Joshua was being raised up for this moment in time where Moses has passed, the baton is being passed, and he's told in three days, you need to gather all the people of God and cross this Jordan. And last week what we talked about is that Joshua focused on the promises of God, not the plans of God. Because God gave him the promise, I will be with you, that's five words. And then he said, I will not fail you, those are five words. He said, I will not forsake you. Now I want to encourage you, and and starting next week I'm going to do a two-month series through the book of Haggai. And the name of that series is, I will be with you. The promise of a better tomorrow. And I want to encourage you to take those five words and begin to reflect upon your life. How are those five words true yesterday? How has God been with me? How are those five words true today? And how will those five words be true tomorrow? See, he says, I will be with you. And because he is with us, the next becomes true. I will not fail you. You cannot fail when God is with you. And then there's security involved in being a son or daughter of the king. He says, I will not forsake you. See, 
You have received your sonship, your daughtership by grace through faith in Christ alone. You didn't earn it. God made a covenant with you. God made a promise to you. And what we saw last week is that God gives us 100% certainty around the promises, but not 100% clarity around the plans. All right? And so what we've got to learn to do is obey God's promises. So when you receive a promise, the promise is going to be bigger than your human ability. And therefore, because it's bigger than your human ability, there's going to be a little bit of tendency for doubt to creep in and wonder whether or not you can fulfill this. Well, no, you can't fulfill it in and of yourself. And so you've got to obey God's promise. And then with every step of obedience, you follow God's presence. We're going to see how the Ark of the Covenant went before them into the Jordan River. And then what we do is we discover God's plans. We discover God's plans after we obey and follow, not before. Our tendency is to ask for the plans of God before we obey. And if we like the plans and they seem workable to us, then we'll decide to obey. All right? So are you ready to enter the promised land? Truly. This is not intended to be just an analogy. The promised land isn't just historical. It's in the present tense. There is a promised land for us. Are you truly ready? See, the promised land isn't easy street. We keep trying to turn the promised land into a land with no problems. See, it's time to actually go fight those giants. It's time to actually conquer fortified cities. See, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, it says us that there were seven nations more numerous and mightier than the Israelites. So he then tells them, you must defeat them. You shall devote them to complete destruction. So what he's saying here is don't make any compromises you know, don't, um, what we do assimilate, don't synchronize, you know, like a lot of times people move in and they begin to kind of take spiritual things and turn them into political things and we create a contract and we compromise a little bit and I'll have a little bit of this and you can have a little bit of this. He says, you shall make no covenant with them and you shall show them, now this doesn't sound right, but listen, he says, you shall show them no mercy. So there are times there are spiritual forces. And don't put our God all in one box. Our God is 100% full of love, mercy, and grace. But our God also knows what is evil, and you better be glad he wants to destroy evil. See, he wants to kill what's killing you. And so here's a biblical picture of the promised land. It's a place of our own, no more slavery. So that's Exodus 6, 8. A place of our own, no more slavery. You're not under Pharaoh anymore. You're not making bricks anymore. You're not having the quota increased upon you anymore. 
It's a place, watch this, of abundance flowing with milk and honey. So our God is not a God of scarcity. He is a God of abundance. He is a God of goodness who wants to give to you generously. That's Exodus 3.8. It's a place of rest or entering his rest. Joshua 1.13, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. So it's a place of rest or entering his rest. Now watch this. It's a place of victory, no more enemies. So there is a battle, but it's a victorious battle, Joshua 21, 44. And then it's a place to serve the Lord. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Now watch this. I promise you this is true in all aspects of life. The moment you stop serving the Lord is the moment you start serving yourself. You're not going to just not serve anyone. Because, see, the moment you stop serving the king, you become the king and you start serving yourself. So how do we prepare for the promised land? Joshua 3, 5. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves. And we're going to dive into that for just a moment. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just for a moment. You're welcome to close your eyes. You're welcome to keep your eyes open. Would you just maybe consider for a moment, would you just visualize for a moment, what are the wonders of God he wants to do through you? Not, not oh, well, I'm not qualified. Not, well, oh, I, I'm, I'm damaged goods. I did something. I made a decision that, you know, kind of has ruined me. No, like, see yourself the way he sees you, and he sees your divine potential, And he has wonders planned to do through you. Would you visualize for just a moment that you were not designed just to attend church. You were not designed just to obey, do more good things than bad things. That you were designed to be a difference maker. And what are the wonders? Would would you allow that to awaken in your heart that he looks at you and he goes, Wow, I cannot wait to see my spirit fully alive in them and the wonders of God being expressed in and through them. See, the word sanctify means to turn your heart toward God. Again, certain things I'm going to repeat all the time. Neutral doesn't exist. If you're not turning your heart toward God, it's being turned away from God. If you're not fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, your eyes are being fixed on someone else or something else. So to turn your heart upon God, would you begin to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ? To turn your heart upon God, would you begin to renew your mind with the word of God and the ways of God? And and would you begin to focus on the work of God? And and would you begin to associate with people that that when you're with them, you want to be like them because of how strongly Jesus is in them? See, repentance, ooh, what'd you feel when I said that word? See, a lot of us have this negative connotation of the word repentance. We, we, when we hear it, we think, ooh, mean, someone's mean versus kind. 
we might hear it and think someone's shouting, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And we see these veins pop open and they have a megaphone and they have a sandwich board upon them and they look crazy and they say this all the time and no one ever repents and they keep doing it. And we think about these people that just yell at you and tell you all the bad things. Repentance might be the kindest word in the Bible. Repentance might be one of the most beautiful, hopeful words in the Bible. In Romans 2, 4, it says, it's the kindness of God that brings forth repentance. And see, when I'm being convicted by the Holy Spirit, by something I'm doing wrong, but yet God keeps loving me and God's people keep loving me, then it's the kindness, it's the mercy, it's the grace that breaks a hard heart wide open. See, repentance is a change of mind, watch, that leads to a change of affection. Affection before direction. It's going to lead to a change of affection that's going to lead to a change of direction. Exodus 34.10 is one of the promises of God. He says, all the people among whom you live shall see the work of the Lord. You go, great, God, do it. No, 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 no. Watch what he says next. Shall see the work of the Lord. It is a fearful thing, or some translations say, an awesome thing that I will do with you. The work of the Lord occurs through us. The work of the Lord occurs through the fullness of his grace being manifested through you. The fullness of his mercy being manifested through you for us to be known by love. So when is the last time, and we're going to allow consecration, okay, consecrate yourselves today for tomorrow, the wonders of God will be done among you. And I believe a lot of the time, consecration begins with repentance. So let me ask it this way. When's the last time you truly repented with godly sorrow? See, the Bible talks about the difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is I'm only sorry because I got caught. And if I didn't get caught, I wouldn't be sorry And I'm really only sorry because I might suffer the consequences of being caught. But godly sorrow is I'm sorry that my sin has offended my God, created some separation between me and my God, and there's tension. In the world of parenting, you can get upset at your son or daughter. You go, go to your room. What'd you just do? You created separation. God's always removing the separation, removing the sin, and bringing us back into relationship. So when's the last time you truly repented with godly sorrow? Now watch this. I'm not talking about something big and obvious. I'm not talking about like, you know, behind door number one is the biggest sin I've ever committed. Behind door number two is the next sin that I commit more than I want to, and behind door number three is this sin occasionally it pops back up in my life. 
I'm actually not talking about that today. I'm not talking about your sins of commission where we break the law of God. Here's what I'm talking about. When's the last time you actually repented of not putting God first? When's the last time you repented of not loving the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength? See, I'm not talking about, I miss too many Sundays. I'm not talking about something you do occasionally or the way that you accidentally make God optional. I'm talking about loving Jesus with all your heart. See, if I'm not proactively loving him, if my heart is not attaching to him, if my heart remains unattached, then it is going to eventually attach. It's designed to attach. And my heart will attach to me, myself, and I. And so I'm not talking about those images that you have where someone's kind of yelling at you about all the things that you do wrong and you need to do better. I'm talking about a type of repentance that is a shift of the heart. So let me ask you this question. Well, how do I repent? There's been some faulty thinking and teaching through the years. Let me kind of see if you identify with any of this. Okay, repentance is not the man up religious bluffing that we're used to. All right, hey, just stop it. Quit doing that. Get your act together. Do it right. And so here's what I'm going to do I'm going to promise. God, I promise. I'm so, so sorry. Yes, I know. I, I hate that. I hate doing it. I feel bad about it. I feel guilty about it. I feel shame about it. God, I'm sorry. I promise this time, this next promise is going to be better than all those other promises I've ever made. This promise is more dedicated than any of those other promises. I promise I'm going to do better. And the next day you didn't do better, and then how do you feel? It's kind of like... Again, this is a term that's kind of used in the South. I'm going to rededicate. I believe our rededicators are broken. You know, I'm going to dedicate myself this time to do better than I did last time. And then when this dedication doesn't work, I eventually quit rededicating. I eventually quit repenting. Now watch. Repentance isn't doing something about my sin. It's admitting that I can't do anything about my sin. Watch this. The intention not to sin, which is a good thing, is not the same thing as the power not to sin. The intention not to sin is not the same thing as the power. See, repentance is not the power of your promise. It's the power of his promise. It's the power of his presence. Watch, repentance involves remorse, 
but it's so much more than remorse. There's a godly sorrow. I am genuinely sorry for the ways that I don't put God first, for the ways that I struggle giving him all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm genuinely sorry for the ways that I disappoint others. But what if repentance, what if repentance wasn't a promise from you to God, a promise from you to God, but what if it was a gift from God to you? What if we flip the paradigm of repentance instead of repentance just depending upon you, trying harder? How's that been working for you? What if repentance was a shift from just a bigger and better promise? To watch this. Repentance is a gift you receive, not a good intentioned promise. A gift you receive. It is the gifted ability to say, God, I can't. You can. I trust you. It's the gifted ability to go from separated from the vine to connected to the vine. It's the gifted ability to stay in the relationship so the Spirit of God flows in you, through you. You abide, and because you abide, you bear fruit, more fruit, much fruit. It's the gifted ability to do what you cannot do on your own. We are happy to say that salvation is a gift from God, but we accidentally turn sanctification into a good works process. God has given you the Spirit of God to dwell in you, to work in you, to work through you, to conform you to the image of Christ. Now stay with me. Repentance is not a means to fix my behaviors. Not a means to fix my behaviors. It is the gift of grace to heal my relationships. How do we heal our relationship with God so that I'm in a right relationship with God? Are you far from God? Guess who moved? If you're far from God, it means you're moving away, but he's always moving toward. And he's never going to quit moving toward you. And he's going to move toward you with the kindness of God to bring forth repentance. So watch. First, it's healing my relationship with God. Second, when my relationship with God is healed, he begins to heal my relationship with one another. And this is so important. When our relationships are righteous, our behaviors will become righteous. When our relationships are righteous, then everything you do flows from the relationships and then you begin to live by love and you're known by love. See, Acts 3.19 says this. Therefore, repent and return. Now, how are you accustomed to hearing that? Repent! Return! Oh, yeah. Therefore, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, I don't like seeing you hurt yourself. I don't like seeing others hurt you. I'm inviting you to repent 
to change your mind, to change your affections. I'm inviting you to ask me to give you a gift to do what you can't do. And then when you receive that gift and you say, God, I've proven I can't, but I trust that you can. Then the scripture says that in the changing of our affections, it's going to change our direction. So if I'm walking towards sin, when my affection changes and I fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith, then my direction changes in agreement and alignment with my affection. And he says, repent and return to watch. Imagine his facial expression. Imagine his voice. Imagine his body language saying this directly to you this morning. Imagine Jesus saying, hey, would you repent? Would you return so that your sins might be wiped away? Your sins break my heart because there's an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And you're my child. And every time one of those sins steals something from you, that's stealing something from me. And every time one of those sins kills something in you, something in me dies. And every time something's destroyed in you, something's destroyed in me. Would you repent and return so that your sins might be wiped away by the mercy of God? Wiped away by the grace of God? Wiped away by the shed blood of Christ. Wiped away by my resurrection. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away. Now watch. In order, in order that, watch, times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing may come from the relationship being healed. Times of refreshing that come from you being in my arms again. Times of refreshing that comes from you trusting me and staying with me and abiding with me and me abiding with you. And times of refreshing from the fullness of God dwelling within you and through you and the fruit of God flowing from you. And times of refreshing from love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Would you please, I beg you with a broken heart, anytime that I ever say the word repent, I say it with tears in my eyes. Because I never want you to experience the pain that the enemy brings. I want you to experience the peace of God. And so I never say repent with an angry heart. I say repent full of compassion. I say repent full of grace. I say repent because I want you to come home. And that's what you need to hear. And that's what your family needs to hear. And it's what every friend you have needs to hear. And it's what this city needs to hear. It's what this nation needs to hear. We need to say repent. 
with tears running down her face because I'm so, so scared what happens if you don't repent. I don't want to see your heart hardened. I want to see your heart fully alive. So today I want to invite you to ask for the gift of repentance. I'm not asking you to make a promise to do better. I'm asking you to believe that right now you can consecrate yourself and that a wonder of God is going to happen inside your heart. There's not, you know, sometimes people talk about like a second blessing. And they talk about the Spirit of God coming. I believe there's a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth. A second. I believe there's unlimited blessings of God. I believe that when this act of repentance occurs, there can be new measures of the Spirit of God to fill you up. I believe whatever you don't have, you can receive. I believe there are no limitations. And so I'm going to lead you in just a moment in a prayer of repentance. But before I do, I want to explain what I'm leading you into. I'm leading you into a place of asking God to do the work in you that you've not been able to do yourself. There's a next level for all of us. He never quits working on us. I'm asking you God, to ask God for an act of repentance that takes you to the next level. I'm asking you to ask God for the promises of God to be made full in your life. I'm asking for you to refuse to accept anything less. I'm asking you to believe a work of grace can occur in your life that whatever your strongholds are, we all got them. We all have them. Please hear me on this. The enemy typically doesn't, you don't struggle with 10 different sins. You struggle with three or four that just repackage themselves all the time. Victory occurs inside before victory occurs outside. So if you'll bow your heads and just let me guide you and then whatever I'm guiding you in, please feel the freedom to put this into your own words, into your own prayer to God. But first, I want to ask you to ask God right now for the gift of repentance. Just say, God, I've tried repenting on my own before. I've tried making a bigger and bolder promise before it didn't work. I've tried dedicating before it didn't work. So God, I'm just asking right now for me to receive this gift of repentance that you're gonna give me the ability to change my affections. Just put it in your own words. Give me the gift of repentance. Give me the gift of repentance. 
And now as you have received the gift of repentance, just say something like this. God, search my heart and find any sin that's within me. And whatever that is, just begin to confess it. The word confess just means I agree with God about my sin. I'm I'm sorry. God, give me that godly sorrow. Because see, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You're confessing according to the gift of God right now. You're confessing according to the gift that you've received of repentance. It's not just sins of something you've done wrong, but it's kind of sins of omission. Maybe you're not putting God first. Maybe you're not truly loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. It's not like you're truly married to him. So you just confess But see, that confession doesn't have to take long because see, the grace and the mercy of God, it's like the Niagara Falls washing over you. And so don't dwell on that. Just confess it. Here comes the waterfall of God. Confess it. Here comes the waterfall of God. Confess it. Here comes the water. Your sins, though they're red like crimson, have now been made white as snow. He's removed them as far as the east is from the west and thrown them into the depths of the sea. Now that you've received the forgiveness and the cleansing, would you just say, God, I repent of this, whatever this is, and God, I move toward this. Would you give me the ability to put you first? I repent of allowing you to be second, third, fourth, and give me the grace of God to put you first. God, I repent of loving you with just part of my heart. But God, I ask for the gift of repentance to give me the ability to love you with my whole heart. Would you ask God right now in this moment to give you the ability to receive more of his spirit right now? Say, God, would you give me the ability to receive more of your Holy Spirit? God, would you fill me up with more of your Holy Spirit? God, give me the ability to receive more. Now, God, give me the ability to give more. God, give me the ability to receive more. Now, God, give me the ability to, receive, to give more. And then in, you can put this in the scripture language. You can put it in your own words. God, I consecrate myself today. God, I set myself apart today by your grace, by the gift of repentance. God, I trust you're doing something unique in me today, something that's victorious in me today. And God, I trust you're making me radically different today. 
God, I consecrate myself today. And then would you say this, and I receive the wonders of God in me. I receive the wonders of God in me. And now, God, I ask you to do the wonders of God through me. I ask you to do the wonders of God through me. And if we can close this time by you just personally in your own prayer life thanking God for this work. Thank you, God, for the gift of repentance. Thank you, God, for the gift of consecration. Thank you, God, for the promise of the wonders of God. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, share it with a friend. And be sure to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single episode. Join our movement and help us to prove that love works. You can give towards our mission at onecitymemphis.org.